What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Frame Skip Podcast. Uh, how do we want to start this, as far as an intro goes? Have we talked about that or not? I don't really think we have, to be no, honest. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, We're just so, rolling with it. Frame Skip is a podcast with four video game ultra fans. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think about I, I don't know how I said it last week, and I feel like... I'm I'm stumped here. It was smooth last week. I mean, it yeah, was like week. you haven't lost any of your mojo. Yeah, I but know, but I, 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 now I don't I'm thinking, know. where's his mojo? <laughs> Welcome to Frameskip Video Game Podcast. Uh, if you guys missed episode zero, we are four friends who did a, another podcast for four and a half years called the Retro Modern Network Podcast, and uh, we took a break and split up, but now we're back. Um, back streets yeah. back. All right. And better than ever. Yeah. So I'm assuming you probably have already listened to episode zero, but if you are very confused and have no idea what's going on, go listen to episode zero because <laughs> you'll, you'll learn about us and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've heard them. Now you get to meet them. My first co-host is none other than the coach, Kyle Newman. Good evening, everybody. Coach, how are you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing okay. Tired, but I'm doing okay. What are you up to this past week? Two weeks. Uh, teaching, episode. teaching math. Yeah. Teaching, <laughs> teaching lots of math, and then uh, tomorrow after work, um, I'm gonna drive from El Paso out to Dallas for military training. Three days oh, this, okay. this weekend. Gonna fire off some guns, huh? No, we did that a couple uh, months ago. You good shot? Um, yeah. Now that I have uh, glasses, but yeah. <laughs> got to see. Huh? I got to see. Uh, I was a four-time state champion in shooting. I don't know if I ever told you that. Oh, yep. nice, wow. awesome. Yep. Uh, up next is another than the ladies' man, Elijah Steele. Hello, everyone. What's up, buddy? I'm 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 doing good today. I'm, Didn't I'm, ask you how you're doing. Ask you what's up. Well, you know what? The sky, the sky <laughs> is up. The roof over my head. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, up. sweet. Uh, been doing anything interesting these past two weeks? or? Uh, I was just at PAX East, which was an amazing time. <clears throat> and I played, I think, like, what I write down, 30 games this year. Interesting, interesting. So I have a lot to talk about. See, when I ever, when I go to PAX, I usually don't play games that much. I, I usually just like to go see everything, hit some panels up. Um, and I think the last time I did it, I did it in my favorite way, which was to just show up to the convention center drunk every day. <laughs> and be there for half a day and then just go home and, and just relax and enjoy my time in Boston. That's, I, I had more fun doing that. that and way. see, a difference this year is I think I went to a total of like four panels over the weekend. I, I mm. spent a lot of time on the show floor. Yeah. Maybe that's interesting. I, um, the, thing, the thing I don't like about going to conventions and that I've learned to do differently now is like the thing is, is that if you're there all day, every day from open to close, like you just get exhausted by like yep. the second day. Oh God. Yes. So like this last time I did it, I was like, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to go. And, uh, when I get tired and I don't want to be there anymore, I'm just going home. I'm going to go see the city or do something else. And I did that. Go. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I missed anything at PAX. And, uh, I, I love Boston, man. Boston is my favorite city I've been to in the United States. It's such a cool city. It's so clean, beautiful. There's so much history. Um, my sister lives there too, of course. So I get to see that every time I go to Boston. But um, the food's just so yeah. damn expensive. Uh I think it depends on where you go to. Like, I, I don't think it's because, like, if you go out to eat at restaurants, 
you're you're gonna spend like maybe twenty percent more than you would here in Pennsylvania. I, think. I spent twenty nine dollars for a beer and a burger. Well, I mean, I feel like that, that was, was just gross. your own dumb fault. Where'd you go for a beer and a burger, by the way? Trillium or something like okay. that? Okay, yeah, okay, so Trillium's like a super high-end craft brewery. Yeah, we we looked like we didn't fit in. No, you didn't fit in at Trillium, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you wearing a suit, Elijah? <laughs> no, no, I yeah. was not. Who told you to go to Trillium? Uh, my one friend and her fiance live in the Boston area. So he came and hung out with us and then he said, Hey, let's go to Trillium. So we're like, all right, you know, that sounds cool. He set you up for failure is what he did. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So this person's your friend. Not anymore. It doesn't sound sound like a friend. Hey, it could be worse. The next night we went to a place called Bar Taco. I will Mm, never go there there again. That wasn't, isn't that place terrible? It, I hated it. Yeah. Everyone else liked it. Yep, I hated it too. I had five tacos, and I was sitting there eating all of the chips on the table. And after that, I'm like, when we get back to the convention center, I'm busting out the snacks. Yeah. $15, uh, and I just I didn't feel full whatsoever. I'll be honest, buddy. It doesn't sound like you did Boston right. I feel like there's there's so many. There's so, I went to a different brewery every single night when I was there with my, my sister and her her, uh, her husband. And we I, we went to all the historical sites. We went on a ghost tour. Like, all the cool stuff in Boston. Um but, yeah, but my nights are taken up, and that's why like I can't really go out at night too much. Hmm. So, all right. Well, last but not least, he is the sax of the south. I love that nickname. I feel like I came up with that, and it's just so good. Yeah, the amazing Austin Eller. Because you didn't, you didn't, you seem like you didn't like the bad boy journalism line last. No, week. no, I didn't really like the whole <laughs> Timmy Turner <laughs> reference. Because I, I mean. To say that I don't play by the rules, I mean that's like hurting my integrity as a journalist. Sometimes, sometimes, so. sometimes you got sometimes you got to break the rules <laughs> to move ahead in the world, Austin. Yeah, well, it's really? funny. It's funny though, because you say sax of the south, but I played the saxophone for like two years. Yeah, dude. You, you know what? <laughs> so you know what? You, you that's like one fifteenth right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. You made ways, buddy. And uh, what are you up to this past week or two? Oh man, not a not a whole lot. Um, well, I say that, but I've had a lot of schoolwork and stuff going on today. I definitely walked in and like bombed a test for the first time in college, oh. which is pretty pretty good considering it's my last semester. Um, never never actually failed a test in college, but I'm pretty sure I did today. So um, you're a finally good, a college student. Yeah, that good one. Good way to end it off. Um, pretty pretty happy man. about that. Um, <laughs> Aside from that, not not too much else going on, man. Honestly, like it's it's been a a pretty pretty busy week. Um, Does your college have the uh, testing centers where you got to go to take like your academic tests and stuff like that? Gotta they take everything from you. They have them, um, but it's mostly like just an option. You don't really have to take them there. Yeah, my college we just go into like these um, pretty much like prison cells to take our our um, exams. And it was the worst thing ever. They supplied you with their own pencils, their own calculators. Oh you weren't allowed to take anything in. If your cell phone was caught, like, ring or something, they failed you immediately. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Ridiculous. We, we definitely have those, but I think only certain classes use them. Um, I've never been exposed to that personally. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember I, I cheated on one of those tests by writing with yellow highlighter on my hand. So you wouldn't really notice oh. it unless you wouldn't really notice it unless uh, you knew it was there. So. 
Well, you know what I'm noticing now is like with so many people owning smartwatches, oh, yeah. I'm like, isn't that, can't you cheat pretty easily with a smartwatch? Yeah. I mean, I have one and I'm like, I could easily like put something on like a, a notepad or message or something in yeah. this and just glance down and look at it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Just just a thought. Not what encouraging it, but what do you think of that, Coach? Are you 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 worry the they, smartwatch? Uh, do what? Say again? What was that? Are you aware of the smartwatch cheating? Oh, of course. You yeah. Know. So you, you, you're checking out for that. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, I got a quick question before we move on. What's up, dude? Okay, so this is way off topic, but I want to ask you three your mm-hmm. opinion. Okay. Yes. Honest opinion. Do you think? Okay, because you know how styles come come and go. They come and go. Do you think baggy jeans will come back in style? <laughs> no. Mm. Well, like how baggy? Like, like, like the Jinko jeans? Well, nothing like crazy. Like you know, you see the crazy people wear, but like you know, just how people wore them in the nineties. See, because I feel like the the fashion trends haven't changed too much in the last twenty years. They've gone a little bit up and down, like like the, with what people wear. But like mm-hmm. fitted jeans have been in style for the last twenty years, um, and the baggy jeans. Obviously, like, like there's certain fashion trends I just think should die forever. Like the Jinko jeans, like the, the, yeah. the ultra baggy ones that you couldn't even walk in. Yeah. Um, but like I wore baggy jeans probably up until like six years ago. So I don't know. No one ever gave me crap for it. Because I'm thinking about maybe getting a pair just to get a pair. There's definitely people that still wear baggy jeans. I've yeah. worn jeans once in my life. Wait. What? You don't wear jeans? I don't wear jeans. I wear what jeans every wear? day. <laughs> I, I guess now that you say that, I, I've never seen you really in a pair I, of jeans. I don't like jeans. I, what do you I, wear? I've never owned one. Khakis, shorts. Okay. You wear a lot of shorts. Yeah. Um, have you thought about upping your fashion style, Elijah? If it includes jeans, no. Yeah, now see, here's the thing. Sometimes you're uncomfortable, but you look good, and I, I, I think it's a good trade-off. In jeans, I never feel uncomfortable in jeans. Well, no, I just by by looking good. Sometimes you feel like dress shoes are always uncomfortable. I got these two hundred pair dollar pair of Jordans I just got. I'm Ooh, really which uncomfortable. ones? The, oh, those were uh, those. The fearless, those... yeah. Okay. And uh, they're super uncomfortable. I hate wearing them, but they look really? awesome. Yeah, interesting. I feel like Jordans are supposed to be comfortable. Yeah, well, these ones aren't. But I'm gonna. Well, you got to remember wear where they're made too. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, we should probably get back to some video game talk. Have you guys been yeah. playing anything cool this week? Uh, Coach. I, oh, just kidding, no. Elijah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I just, there's a certain game uh, I've been playing that I really want to get out there for people to learn about, and it's called World of Horror. Mm. And the the best way I can pitch this game is imagine an old school '80s Dungeons and Dragons RPG, but your DMs are Junji Ito and HP Lovecraft. Hmm. It it plays just like those. Like it'll be like investigate uh, waterfront district, and you go there, and it'll be like a powerful smell has overcome you. Minus two stamina for two investigations. Hmm. Interesting. And like there's, you know, strength checks, everything you'd find in D and D, but it's in this uh it, it's in early access right now. It's in this like horror world where you're doing different investigations for like one is there's a like 
demon with scissors that haunts this one school. And you do five investigations to get to a main investigation. And there's, I think, like 15 in there right now. So you may get that one every three games you play. Okay, so like, but tell us a little more about the actual game. Is it, what kind of gameplay is it? It, it is go... It, the combat is very... It's turn-based RPG from the 80s. You, you have different attacks. You can find weapons and then equip them. Like, is it isometric? No, it is like pen and paper. You click to investigate here, and then it'll come up text uh, investigating the waterfront. You have discovered this and this, and this person seems to be looking strangely at you. Hmm. you yeah, you don't do any actual movement. It's all like click-based and text-based. So, question. You you reference D&D a lot. As somebody who's never played D&D, which is crazy. Yeah, um, you should. I know. I want to. Um would you recommend this game as like a, hey, try this out and you'll kind of get the feel as of kind of how D&D works? Or is yes. it kind of just similar? Um, I I would say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I've played D&D a couple times. Mm-hmm. And getting some of it, I'm like, oh, I recognize this from D&D. And it gives mm-hmm. you the basic idea, especially in – and again – I, I, I reference like going to the waterfront and a smell overcomes you. That's something like a a, dun, a dungeon master would come up with mm-hmm. for I want to go investigate over there and then they have to come up on the spot. Is it something bad or like they may might have something in mind. Is it something bad or something good? And this game really does a good job of simulating that whole idea. Interesting. Yeah. So when, when's it come out, Elijah? Uh, it is currently out in early access on PC? on Steam. And Xbox Game Pass for Windows. Nice. Oh, cool. All right. World of Horrors. Check it out. Yeah. Highly recommend it. All right, Coach, what are you been playing? Well, I jumped back into Breath of the Wild only because, <laughs> one, it's like my all-time favorite Zelda game, and it's one of my favorite games. But I really want to go through, and uh, originally I was just going to play um, and set, like, standards for myself. Like, I'm going to get all 120 shrines. And before I do any of the um, the bosses, the four um, bosses, and then Ganon, and there's certain things that I want to do this time, um, and and get as much more into the game that I did. I've already spent like 250 hours into it, but what I'm doing now is as I'm going through it, <clears throat> when Breath of the Wild two comes out. I want to do a really cool project that is kind of similar to what I'm going to do with Animal Crossing, but a lot more in depth. So I'm going into this as like Breath of the Wild just came out. And so I'm going to start creating these videos. And one is going to help me get back into editing again and and getting the rust off. But two is really nailed down what I want to do. And I'm thinking Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be coming out next year Um, Mm -hmm. when it when it comes out next year. So I'll have like a, a, a footprint of what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Sorry. I was taking a drink. Um, all right. So breath of the wild, huh? What now coach? No, I'm not going to go into that. What awesome. gonna say? <laughs> I love no. He was going to say now coach. I hate that. game. <laughs> I truly do hate breath of the wild. I but hate I, you, Seth. I'm 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 trying to 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 be courteous, right, and, and and let you do your thing. 
Um, do we think Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be a Switch game? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting. I don't... Why? Uh, I feel like when PS5 and Xbox come out, they're going... Because like, Nintendo screwed themselves up by doing these, these half-generation consoles, I think. I think Nintendo might end up being pressured to create a more powerful console here in the next one or two years. Mm, I don't get I, that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, they, I, don't, I don't think so, because I don't really feel like they're competing with Microsoft and Sony at this point. Um, I feel I like they're it. kind of their own thing. I, I understand people say that. I think that's ridiculous, because you can only play one game at a time, and if you're playing games, like you've got to play either... Breath of the Wild, or you know, you can't play both. So they are direct competitors. That's like Xbox. I mean, competing with PlayStation. Like I, I, I just don't buy that at all. Here's the thing, though. Ninety percent of the time, I always hear like, if you ask someone what consoles do you own, it's always this console and Switch. Yeah, I always hear the Switch as like an accessory in a way, almost to the other console. So it, it's not really. I always, I always hear both. I very rarely hear just. One console. It's always something and switch. Sure. Well, anyway, the the thing I was going to bring up, and this was a pretty recent article, and I'd have to find this, um, but somebody from Nintendo just came out and said that the Switch was about halfway through its life yeah, cycle. Yeah, six years. That's I heard um, that too. They they it was somebody from Nintendo, like within the last two or three weeks. Um, that yeah. was a pretty big news article that came out. So, you know, first off, just based off that, I don't think that's possible. Secondly, what I will say is I do think a Switch Pro is coming. Yes. Um, I, didn't, I didn't understand why they didn't do more with the dock. I thought the dock could have been like a nice way to power up the console. Like, I agree. Give it extra, and it just, it's, the, the dock really isn't anything. Like People make those... Do you ever see those mini docks people make? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like not like the size of your thumb that the Switch can play. All it is to. is a converter. It's just yeah. a USB-C to HDMI. That's all it is. Yeah. I thought the dock was kind of a wasted opportunity there. They could have put like uh, something there to make the console more powerful. And then you yeah, I, out and I, I know it gives it a little more power, but it doesn't, it doesn't give, give it, it any more. It doesn't give it any more power. It's the, It doesn't give it any more power. What it does is it boosts the clock rate of of the yeah. GPU that's built into the Switch already. So it's okay. just... Okay, I knew it was something like that, considering games will run at, like... Like, Rocket League runs at 60 on TV yeah. and 30 handheld. Yeah. It's just the power supply of the dock, basically, that lets the Switch kind of run a little better. But it's still... There's literally nothing in the dock. No hardware. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah, if you, if, if you see the dock get taken apart... I like to watch those... Um, uh, videos of the dudes repairing the consoles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If you see someone take apart a Switch dock, there's literally nothing. It's like 99% empty space. Yeah. 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 So, which is just like interesting by the way with that design, but I think this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin, you played anything this week? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had too much time, but Andy and I, uh, last weekend, I guess it was, we played probably about two or three hours of A Way Out. I know I brought that game up. Um, it's a great game. On episode zero, but um, we're really enjoying it so far. We um, are playing on Xbox, which I haven't actually played my Xbox in like years. Why was uh, that? Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I just haven't played it in years. I, my Xbox just sits there because um, I just don't really have a reason to play it. But it was like half way cheaper on, on Xbox than it was on PS4. I think it was like $7 okay. or something. And it was like 15 on PS4. So, um, But anyway, that's aside the point. The game's really good so far, I think. Um, I think we're both really enjoying it. I know if we weren't super busy, we'd be playing it a lot more, but um, I know one night 
I guess it was the first night we played. We played for about two hours straight, and it was like, I think we stayed up till about 1 a.m. playing. Um, yeah. The story's really good. The the characters, I think, are really interesting, and I, I love the way that the co-op stuff works. Like, I really mm-hmm. wish more games worked like this. Yeah, um, it's done so well. Yeah, and I, and I know it's a very niche audience, because um, for those that don't know about the game, it can only be played co-op. There is no solo play. Um which I know that's kind of a niche thing. Not everyone's kind of into that, but I think it's awesome. And honestly, like sitting there playing the game, like there are times where I kind of forget that, you know, I'm not playing something that takes up the whole screen. And um, I think that's really cool. Cause like it's a game where I can kind of look at what's going on on my side of the screen and then see what she's doing. And like, it just kind of completes it, you know, like it actually works to look back and forth between both sides of the screen. Um, And I think it's, I think it's really good so far. So. Yeah, I think my favorite part of that game is when it slows down and you get to like a safe area or whatever, and you guys can just kind of split up. Like, uh, not necessarily, I think, but there's a point where you get to a, like a farmhouse. Oh yeah. And um, you can just split up and like start doing things, exploring your own things, and playing mini games and whatnot. And it's really, really cool. But it honestly, it's not that long of a game. It sounds like you'll probably beat it in your next sitting, Austin. Yeah. Yeah, because I looked online. It said it was like what, maybe five, six hours. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, and yeah, the ending I, is so good. It's so good. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're we're far from the ending. I think the last thing we did was, uh, we were like on the boat, like paddling down the river or something. That was oh, okay. the last thing we did. Okay, so. <laughs> I know exactly where you are. Yeah. I had a time play in that part. <laughs> oh, but no, I, I, I think it's a really really neat game. All right, well, let's jump into some mail. We got a few questions this week from our devotees. Mm-hmm. Um, where are they at here? Want me to read them? The bottom? <laughs> I, the bottom? I got them. Okay. All right. Alden asks, hey, guys, how do you all feel about publishers and developers canceling their event booths in mass recently? And secondly, where did you go? Um, I don't know, man. Honestly, uh, so he's talking about uh, everyone canceling events and whatnot mm-hmm. to stop the, the spread of the coronavirus. Really, mm-hmm. I think it's more to just keep their uh, employees safe. Safe, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really have too much of an opinion on it, to be, to be perfectly honest. And I wasn't going to PAX or GDC, so. Um, and, like, as someone who went to PAX, oh, no, PlayStation, PlayStation pulled out, and the uh, Square Enix, uh, Capcom... CD Projekt Red and PUBG pulled out, and it it's not like it was a bad show. It was probably one of the best packs I've been to in years. Yeah, it, it didn't. I mean, sure. Oh no, Last of Us Two wasn't there, so that hours long line wasn't there. It didn't really affect the show at all. I um, I originally had this on the rundown as my story, and I removed it because I felt like. For one, this is a video game podcast, and I didn't want to go super deep into this because I know yeah. coronavirus is on everyone's newsfeed right now, and you know, at least personally, like I'm kind of kind of over it. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm kind of over hearing about it and stuff. But what I what I will say is that I think at the end of the day, and this is coming from somebody who has had their life kind of skewed recently. Um, around things related to viruses and sicknesses um, for personal reasons, but I think they did the right thing. I think 
Um, they need to do everything to try and stop it. I think at the end of the day, and again, I don't want to get like super serious on the show, but uh, who announced this morning that the um, the death rate for people that have contracted coronavirus is 3.4%, and the annual flu death rate is about, or fatality rate is about 1%. Um, and so when you look at how fast this thing is spreading, I mean, realistically, I did the math earlier. If you, if you hypothetically think this thing is going to spread to the entire world, that's about 3 million people dead. So, um, you know, just to kind of put it into perspective, you know, I think it's, I think it's the right call. And like Elijah said, at the end of the day, these events really are still doing their own thing and doing well. And, you know, GDC's canceled, but you know, whatever. There's there's so many game conventions and the news will still get out. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. Um See, the thing about GDC though isn't for people like us. Uh GDC was where a lot of like interns and people fresh out of college would go to look for jobs. Those are the yeah. people who are being affected by that. Yeah, people but who are, like, I, I don't, scraping by and such. I think I think it's irrelevant the point is that it's still just a ton of people in one populated area, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think and, and that, that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's not about, like, oh, did PAX have a good show or not? It's like, well, there's a ton of people in, in this coastal city, and um, we if I'm looking, if I'm Sony, I'm like, well, if we make our employees go there and they end up getting sick or dying, that's, like, really bad PR. Yeah. I, it's it's probably more of a PR thing, honestly. Um, also, San Francisco, yeah. where GDC was to be held, already the governor declared a state of emergency for coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. So, also, GDC is a much more world-oriented event because developers from all over the world go. PAX mm-hmm. East is more of a Eastern U.S. Yeah. and Lower Canada event. And you got to remember too, we're in a different time now. Like. We have information like right then and right there. So yeah. it's like, what are we really missing? You know, that's I, that's my point, I think. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You always err on the side of caution. So. All right. And he asks, secondly, where did you go? Um, I didn't go anywhere. I'm still pretty much yeah. exactly where I was the last time you heard from us. <laughs> yeah. I still yeah. lock even PA. No. Uh, <laughs> If, we're, if you're talking about where did we go as far as why did we split up, I think we all just needed a break. Yeah. Right. We, we all we all needed to – We all life got in our way. I know Coach was going over the It was the drugs and alcohol that broke us apart. Yeah. <laughs> we are uh, Motley Crew. Coach was going overseas. Austin was going to college. Elijah wanted to do his focus on his own thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's the end of the story there. It's not like we had any big arguments or fights. No, or not at no, all. Like that. Not, actually, we didn't have any arguments or anything and it's and the entire time we still talked every day pretty much yep um brandon he asks thoughts on gaming moving towards digital subscriptions and streaming um what do you guys think this is a big topic recently because Mm -hmm. of what happened with um the g4 streaming yep have you guys been keeping up on that no yeah okay so you, could, you, you buy your own game, right? And then you have the ability now to stream. You mm-hmm. can stream it. But then all of a sudden, after you already bought the game, you, you have the game purchased. Now publishers are telling NVIDIA, no, you can't do that because I guess we're going to do our own streaming. So now it's going to be 
it looks like it might be going to the to the way of how we we watch our stuff now you know which mm -hmm. is a joke so i mean i'm not gonna stream anything i probably never will you know i want to play play it local um i just for me i just don't see a need to that's why i didn't understand why people spent money on um google stadia that's stadia right yeah, mm -hmm. so I, I kind of feel like had Stadia been successful uh, and worked the way they promised it worked, which it, apparently it, it doesn't, there's still like very noticeable lag when you're playing Stadia, um, that we'd be living in a very different timeline for the future. But I think now that, that Stadia is kind of come and gone and not really anyone's talking about like like think about it, Stadia released, no one even really said a word like on their release day. Like it, it was really like a... Like a stealth release that no one gave a shit about well the problem the problem with stadia and a big difference with uh, i'll compare it to uh x cloud the xbox one is stadia is you buy the controller you have a pro subscription and then you have to buy the games right with, right with xbox uh x cloud one thing you'll be able to do is just like uh the nvidia geforce now except this is straight up run by xbox you can play anything on your Xbox, that that portion will be completely free. They said. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about like the, the the Stadia just did not work like they promised it would. Oh no! Like it, yeah. It it was not. You need to have a certain Google Chrome that apparently after like half an hour of play, it gets super hot and like peep. It would burn people's hands and it, well, just, it just wouldn't the, run lag. well. Just, yeah. just the inherent problem with streaming games is that there's going to be a lag, and you can't stream games like TV because of the response time. I mean, people put their TVs in game mode just to get that extra millisecond response time. Yep. You, you're not going to be able to get that with long-distance data center connections, and that's just the, the unfortunate reality of, you know, the 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 um, state of the internet in the United States. I don't think that we're living. In a timeline that's going to have a future where we're streaming games. I think it's going to all flop, and I think we're probably going to go back to just playing local, like you said, Coach, if I'm being perfectly honest. And the big problem I have with it is if you read the fine print, anything you buy, whether it be through a subscription or just go on Steam or PSN or whatever, if you read the fine print, you don't technically own the game. Right. They because look at what happened to the PT demo and Konami just straight up took it. You you can't download it anymore, even though even if you haven't. Well, that's been digital rights for a long time. Though. Yeah. Like, you don't own you don't own but, any digital music like, you buy either. That that's why like I'm holding a copy of Kododama on my, in my hand. That's why I prefer physical. At least then I know I own the item. Right. And that that's one of my big problems with subscriptions and streaming is you don't own anything. Um, I know for me I'm kind of in the minority, but. Um, for one thing, I I mean I've heard XCloud runs pretty well, and I I don't know I didn't really hear that much about the lag from Stadia. Maybe I didn't really read into it too much, but I heard everyone I read that had tried it said it worked perfectly. Um, but my thing is, I think, do I want to live in a world where we're streaming games? Not necessarily, but are we moving that direction? I think we absolutely are. I don't. Are we going to see that in the next twenty years? Probably not, but I mean, we're living in a world. I mean, if you think about five years ago, I had internet that was 20 megabits down, and now I have internet that's 250 megabits down, um, and that's just in the last five years. I mean, the the speed at which um, internet 
technology is like kind of changing is, is pretty incredible. And you look at fiber and, um, you know, all that stuff. I think at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, and again, I know I'm in the minority, but I think we are absolutely heading towards a direction where everything's going to be streamed personally. Well, but the thing is, is like, so then you're going to have to have um, a subscription service to EA and then you're going to have to have a subscription service to Microsoft and all these different yeah. places. And yep. it's like, no, no, yeah, I'm not, well, I'm not going that route. I'll go back to playing my old school Xbox or whatever and no, enjoy that. Yeah. And, and I get that. And I, I absolutely understand that. But I, if we just think about just in the last five years, what happened with cord cutting, and about how everyone was like, okay, yeah, we don't want all these, you know, TV channels that we don't use. And now we suddenly live in a world where there are 400,000 streaming services yeah. and we are literally back in the same boat that we were just in. <laughs> I think I think we're going to be in a never-ending kind of cycle. I think that either, either you're going to spend the money on a system or you're going to spend the money on a subscription. And I think that's basically just what's going to happen. That's my opinion, at least. Hmm. The big difference with the cord cutting, though, is, like, when we had cable, you would get 90 channels, and I would watch, like, 12 of them, and you couldn't lower. You couldn't do anything. But at least mm -hmm. when you have, like, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney+, Plus, you can decide, I don't want some of these. Yeah, I mean, That's I agree with difference. that. I agree with that, but we now also, like, I'm... I guess it depends on how much TV and movies and stuff of that that you watch. But I mean, I know just the, myself, I have HBO, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, yeah. Disney Plus. Like I'm I'm literally getting to the point where it costs me just as much to have all these services as it does to have a cable subscription. Yeah, that bubble's going to burst. I think people are getting sick of that, too, where like NBC is starting their streaming service. No one's yeah. going to buy that. They're going to lose no. money. They're going to close it. And those shows are probably going to eventually repopulate to the other services like they were before. Um, the one thing I don't like that we're also seeing is the subscription within a subscription service. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, Amazon used to have their own subscription service. But now it's, like, Amazon. But you can also, within Amazon, subscribe to, like, HBO and Stars mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yes. And I'm like, God, guys, this is too much. Like, I, th I think, like, we need to start cutting back. Because the reason people loved it, right, was because, like, Netflix had all these shows and all this stuff, and like there was like Netflix and Hulu, and mm -hmm. then like everything started. What well, they all want their own piece of the pie, which makes sense. Yep. But what's going to happen? I think we're going to end up going in another cycle where one company is going to get everything again, and they're going to charge rates and it's going to split off again. I think we're going to keep going an endless cycle. Um, but as far as gaming goes, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, when Stadia came out, I was watching people talking about because I wanted to get a Stadia. I really I, what? I, yeah, I wanted to get a Stadia. Was that not? I, I I don't know. I just don't see paying a high monthly fee and then paying for the game. You know. Well, what I mean? so so um, when I saw their their uh, their conference or whatever, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I'll give that a shot. Um, and then when it came out, everyone was talking about like um the lag and whatnot and i saw i forget who it was playing destiny and the lag was very significant with shooters and i was like man nah, i'm good and i i just think like and he they, they were on like a really really good connection they were in um mm -hmm. san francisco but the thing is is that no matter what when you're transferring data to a data center and then back i just don't think you're gonna get to where you need to be to play mainstream and competitive video games um Maybe if you had a direct fiber line, but that's that's 
few and far between. That, that's yeah. that's the thing is like if I if this is gonna happen, it's gonna be in forty fifty years. Like it's not yeah. gonna be soon. Yeah. What I will say, what I will say, and then we can move off this topic is I think digital only is soon. I think yeah. we get digital only in the next so. ten years. I don't think. Oh, so. I absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think so. I one hundred percent think so. I mean, GameStop is dying. Best Buy is removing their physical um, game, you know, supplies. Um, digital's constantly on the rise. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure digital's outpacing physical sales now um, for I don't most know. systems. I haven't so. seen those numbers, but the space, the hard disk space, is is not keeping up with what's coming out. Like that is that is true. Final Fantasy yeah. VII Remake is going to be over 100 gigs. There you which go. Which is like whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty, but, I think the last I saw, the newest one is at like 140. Yeah. And if mm. it goes that route, I'm not. That's I'm not going to lose sleep over it. That's fine. But make sure that we could buy a 10 terabyte hard disk. Yeah. That's not going to cost us an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That, that that is a good point, Coach. Yeah. The hard the hard drive spaces have not been keeping up with the no. uh, the game sizes. Um. But you know what, dude? Like honestly, like. Can we just stop making games bigger and looking better? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they yeah. look good enough, man. They, they're there. They, they look good enough. We've reached the peak. When you, when you play uh, Gran Turismo, you can't tell the difference between that and TV. Like, it's hard. Anyway. All right. Let's jump into our uh, news topics of the week. Coach, uh, tell us about uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and uh, the upgrade for the Series X. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. Uh, Last week, on February 24th, head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, wrote in his column on Xbox Wire the following regarding the Series X. Regarding the smart delivery, he stated, This technology empowers you to buy a game once and know that whether you are playing it on Xbox One or the Series X, you are getting the right version of the game on whatever Xbox you're, Xbox you're playing on. We're making the commitment to use smart delivery on all our exclusive Xbox Game Studio titles, including Halo Infinite, ensuring you only have to purchase a title once in order to play the best available version for whichever Xbox console they choose to play on. This technology is available for all developers and publishers and they can choose to use it for titles that will be that will be released on the Xbox One first and come to the Xbox Series X later. Then, right after that, okay, the official um, shortly after that announcement, the official Twitter account for Cyberpunk 27, 2077 tweeted the following. And I love the first line. Gamers should never be forced to purchase the same game twice. Or pay for upgrades. Owners of Cyberpunk 2077 for Xbox One will receive the Xbox Series X upgrade for free when available. And that's huge. And I think that is finally, that's going to make this transition so much different than the PS3 to PS4 or the 360 to Xbox One transition. Because remember all those games that came on both systems for those two or three years now we don't have to buy them twice we buy them once well right now it's just um xbox game or microsoft games and cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. so i think that's huge and i just wanted to get your thoughts on that Mm -hmm. 
I think it's huge. It's also, for me, the reason this is a little bit, obviously, a minor a minor problem. Maybe, maybe a major problem, but it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, for me, this is sort of the reason I don't feel any need. We talked about it in, in episode zero. I don't really feel any need to jump to the next generation because of stuff like mm-hmm. this, man. If one game is going to play on everything, I'm like, well, I'm kind of cool with what I have. And I don't mean to sound like an old man, but I feel like a lot of people feel that way, man. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. My pro, I think, is just fine. And I really don't know, like, unless the PS5 has some banger exclusives or the Series X has some banger exclusives, I think these these companies might have a hard time selling people on these next consoles. But if we're talking about just this uh, policy of upgrading uh, games to the, to the best possible version, that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Because I remember... Um, the Last of Us is a good example. It came out on PS3, yep. and then I think like two years later, or a year later, it came out on PS4, and you had to buy it for both. And obviously, the PS4 version is the place to play The Last of Us, and it was still good on PS3, but the PS4 version was the place to play. Yeah. But you ended up spending one hundred twenty dollars to get both of them, so it's like that eh, kind of sucks. Um, and there's there's been a bunch of games that I've bought. Well, like that. Destiny, Destiny um, was yeah. on both. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, and actually. Um, sorry, Destiny actually did something similar, and I believe it was the only game um, at the time. But Destiny, if you bought it on PS3, you got it for free on PS4. No, Final um, Fantasy XIV did that too. Did it? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It did. Yeah, it, yeah, did. it did. Um, so I guess maybe there are a few, but like Destiny was one. So I think it came out probably about five months before I bought my PS4, or before I got it for Christmas, or whatever it was. Um, but it was nice because I did have it. You know, I had purchased it digitally on PS3, and then I got it, you know, for free when I when I got my PS4. And it was not. It was kind of nice going in, and like, you know, right now we're saying we don't necessarily want PS5, which I'm in the same boat. Um, but I, I will re- I will never forget playing Destiny on PS3, and then getting the PS4 and having that game and booting it up and being like, wow, this looks a lot better, um, yeah. and really being able to see that difference. So. You know, I I don't think I'm going to get PS5. We've already had this discussion um, in episode zero, so go listen to that. But what I will say is if Sony does something similar or even if I end up getting uh, an Xbox Series X, um, it's, it is nice to know that, like you said, I don't have to spend $120 to get what's probably the better version of the game and still play the original. Or more. I, I kind of yeah. feel like uh, this coming generation, games are going to be $70 a piece. That's what I feel. Think so? Yeah, I feel that because I, it just doesn't. With inflation going up, right, and game sales not or game prices not having gone up in mm-hmm. over a decade, it doesn't make any sense. Plus, games are getting more expensive to produce. Someone's got to break the wall for the first time. They, they they they've been kind of doing this without us realizing it with these deluxe editions and whatnot, um, which I feel like is the reason that we get fourteen editions of a game on on launch day, but. Mm-hmm. I just think that in this coming generation, the base price is going to be sixty nine ninety nine for a game, and I think I think that, that's I think it's going to be industry wide. It's got to be, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's a different point entirely. I think it's very possible. Yeah, I could see that. My take on this whole thing is this really lights a fire under Sony. Like yeah. they need to, they need to kind of respond to this because now if they don't do something they look bad and there's everyone saying oh maybe 
Xbox is the one to go with. And th- like this is very, very consumer-facing, which is something that Xbox and Microsoft have been very good at. And I, I think this is the way the intro into this generation should go. Mm-hmm. Will it go that way overall? I don't know, but I think it's the way it should go. And so far, Microsoft's been making the right moves. Uh, CD Projekt Red, I I actually would have been surprised if they didn't do this because they are such a consumer-facing company. I, th- I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, think about just what was released last year, Metro um, Exodus. That would be an awesome opportunity for them to kind of, you know, because there was some... Uh, there were some issues when they um, went with uh, they went with Epic Store for PC, mm-hmm. right? So there was yep. some controversy, but this would be a good opportunity for for that game to also be the same way. Like if you own it and you have the Series X, you know, if they do that upgrade, if they they make the enhancements, then you know it'll be free. What I'll say is That's it's such a good game. It's kind of insane to like see the Microsoft that we are watching work now compared to the Microsoft that we saw seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like just, you know, it, kind of related to this topic, but it's just it's very interesting um, thinking back to how the Xbox One launch went and how everyone complained about the DRM and like all this stuff and how you couldn't share games and how you had to be online to play your games and. They got a lot of crap for that for like years. And I'd, I'd say that's part of the reason why they didn't really stand a chance against Sony this gen um, was because we did have that video of Adam Boys and Shuhei Yoshida saying, here's how we share a game and passing a game physically into the other person's hands. Like that was a, that was a real moment. thing. That was Greatest a real thing that we saw. Moment. TV, TV. <laughs> TV. Yeah. TV. But we now live in a world where Microsoft is making their games available on Xbox and PC and doing stuff like this. And it's just, it's, as a consumer, it's it's crazy. High tide raises all boats. Like, that like this generation where Xbox I've never heard that before. You never heard that? No. Yeah. That's that's, that's, that's a really common phrase. I'm going to start telling that to my students. They'll be looking at me like, What? Yeah, high tide raises all boats. Um, no, but Xbox got beat up this generation, man. They got really smacked around. And mm-hmm. they came back. They're like, all right, now we're bringing the fight to Sony. And now Sony's gonna probably going to get beat up this coming generation. I can't imagine Sony staying on top of this next generation. Um, unless they've just made themselves such a ha- – unless they've made themselves just a household name and people are just going to stick to them now, but I doubt that. Um I don't think so, because if you look at the turn from yeah. last gen to this gen, I mean, PS3 mm-hmm. did not sell nearly as well as 360, no. and then it flipped. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I, don't, I don't think people have a specific loyalty. Yeah, like, I'm a huge Sony fan, but if the games that I want to play are on Xbox, which I doubt they're going to be, but they, they could be, I'll buy an Xbox and play that instead. Mm-hmm. I really don't care. Um, yep. But, like, all, all, all Xbox has to do is announce Fable 4 as an exclusive... And I'm in. You got me. That's all they well, gotta do. We already know they're working on one because the yep. the guys from Forza. Uh, it's um, not official. Wait, wink, didn't wink. they confirm that? No, yeah. it's never been confirmed. 
but it's been everything but confirmed. It's like the worst health secret in the yeah. industry. I swear that was like confirmed like on just like the, E3. Just like the Bloodborne sequel. Stage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's move on to my topic this week. And I want to talk a little bit about the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo that dropped. Stealth dropped um, a couple days ago. On Monday. Holy crap, guys. When I woke up and saw people tweeting about this, I was I was immediately out of bed. I only got in like two hours of sleep. We work night shift. You sleep during the day. You usually wake up a few times in that amount of time. I'll check my phone or whatever and go back to sleep. But when I saw that, launched myself out of bed. I was only um, in the apartment one day. I had to hook up my PS4, you know, get all that set up, and, and start downloading it. Because they announced this, I think it was... Like a week before Christmas, they, people found that it arrived on the PlayStation Store um, through like the, the metadata, and it mm-hmm. had leaked. And people were playing it, and they were leaking all kinds of things from the game. So this has been like this has been like an urban like thing for a while. This this Final Fantasy VII remake demo, and finally they released it, and uh, I got my hands on it. I got to play the game that I've been waiting for for twenty years, and let me tell you guys, holy crap! We might be talking about the game of the last decade like the, it's so like, amazing it's insane how good this game feels and plays and um it's the entire bombing mission from the beginning of final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. um it lasts about an hour and as far as demos go it's probably one of the better demos i've ever played it really gives you a solid taste um of every, all the mechanics in the game and yep. the way the, the the combat works um but yeah, it's it's just it's super good. It's super fluid. See, my, and and it's it is more of an action based game. Um, mm-hmm. They fixed a lot of the problems that I think arose in Final Fantasy fifteen. Where in Final Fantasy fifteen, you were pretty much invulnerable because you could just come into um, combat with ninety nine potions and just not die ever because. You could use them whenever, and in an action game, when you can pause it and just use a potion at any point in time, that's a big problem. Um, with Final Fantasy VII Remake, you have to build up an ATB gauge to use a potion to heal yourself, which is pretty cool, I think, um, because it adds a lot of stress. Like, I have 10% of my health left, and I don't have a full ATB gauge. I have to fight it out until I get that ATB gauge in order to cure myself. And you have to fight smartly. You can't just go in. You have to be like, alright, I have to survive, so if yeah. I go in, hit once, maybe twice, and then get back out, and just wait, give time that build it up. It's just uh, so smartly crafted. There's there's a lot of strategy that you have to use playing the game, because... It's, a, it's so hard to explain because because of the ATB gauge. What they, what they did was they knew people loved ATB um, in the classic Final Fantasy games. So they added this, this system in. And I know people have already probably seen it from the trailer. But you can switch to ATB mode once you have the gauge built up enough. Um, and that takes about, I want to say, 30 seconds probably if i had to guess to build it up and you can build it up faster by doing different attacks and whatnot but once you build it up you can then cast your fire magics your uh, special abilities you can heal um but you can but until that point you can only do your basic attacks or like your power attacks um and going through you uh 
you are forced to create different strategies and and be real creative with the combat system. Um, and this is only in the, in the first hour of the game that uh, you, you realize all this until you get to the, the final Scorpion in which it all comes together and you, you're forced to use everything that you've learned at that point to beat that Scorpion, the, the Guard Scorpion. And it's a really, really challenging fight. Um, I didn't die on my first time, but... It's it's really good, man. The voice acting is great. The models look great. The, the environments look amazing. Like I love the banter that they have between the characters. Something mm-hmm. that the original didn't. It yep. really gives some more depth into them and them being together. Do you guys all know the story of Final Fantasy VII? No. Uh, kind of. I I only played about twenty five hours, so I didn't really okay. get that far. Coach, do you know? Have you played Final Fantasy VII? No, I haven't. Really? You say so? Are, are you thinking about maybe playing it? Yeah, you should. Have you thought about playing the original one? Yes, I, I was thinking about playing it first, or at yeah. least getting to the uh, the end of the what are they saying the Midgar? Like the the first yeah. game's going to be to the end of the Midgar. Yeah, yes. in, in, in the end of the city. It's a giant city that's like pretty much one giant um, energy reactor split into eight sectors, um, which is really really it's, it's a really cool concept. And like of course like. There's the plates, and people that live under the plates are like in like the really poor areas and the slums, and the people that live on top of the plates, like the rich people. And um, yeah, I think you should play it, Coach. I think you'd really like it, especially since you have a really high tolerance for retro games and you really love retro games. It's, it's it, by all accounts, one of the most legendary games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this remake coming out that people have been waiting for forever is, is a huge deal. But the thing that I really noticed when I was playing through it was I was like, Man, you can really feel that people put love and care and their soul into this game. Oh, God, yes. Um, and I think that that's important because it really, it really comes with any form of art. You can tell when people really put everything they had into it and like really cared about the product they were making. Like, I think there's specific games that are great made by um, the A-Team, the best in the world, but you can tell like they're they're... It doesn't have a soul. Like, I think Grand Theft Auto V is one of those games. Yeah. Um, it's amazing, and it's a really good game, but there's something, there's just that it factor missing in Grand Theft Auto V for me. Um, so two questions for you, Seth. Yeah, what's up? So we were, I remember all of us were streaming when when the um, this announcement came, like what, 35 years ago, the, the remake? Five, five years ago. Right. So from that time... And all of your um, predictions of when it was going to come out. <laughs> when you finally got it started, what was your initial feeling inside? Like, you know how sometimes you get on a big roller coaster and you're like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. What yeah. was that like when you actually got uh-huh. the game going? I wanted to cry. Oh, no, it was just pure excitement, man. I was smiling from ear to ear. I was just, I was like, it's time. I'm ready for this. You know, we've been waiting for this. Um, just pure excitement. Like, I was just so ready to jump in. And a little nervous, too, because this game means so much to not just me, but mm-hmm. so many people. Um, I was worried that the combat wasn't going to feel right. But, mm-hmm. God, it feels so good, man. The combat feels so good. The animations are amazing. Cloudo uses Buster Sword to knock people up into the sky and then jump forward and hit them like a baseball bat across the screen. And I saw people complaining about the camera. I didn't have any problems with the camera. Neither really did I. Um, it worked fine. 
like like I was telling Coach before before the beginning of the podcast, I just feel like um, people like to complain about their nostalgic items. Like a lot of people that wanted this remake just wanted like an HD graphics upgrade, which is stupid. Um, and I'm not gonna get into the whole discussion with turn based combat and whatnot because that's just a dumb that's a, that's a dumb argument to begin with. Um, but the game is really good. It's really really good. Yeah. Um, and if this demo is anything that indicates the quality of the rest of the game, I really think we're set up for one of the greatest games in the past 10, maybe 20 years. I I was one of those people who was super skeptical. I mean, Final Fantasy VII is my second favorite game of all time. And I went into this, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to play the demo, and I hope it kind of alleviates some of the fears I had. And after that demo, all fears I had were just gone. Yeah. It, it does everything... It does everything I wanted and everything I didn't know I wanted. I have four days off for it, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. But So, question, just because I didn't play too much of Final Fantasy VII, how many discs was the original game on? Was it three? Three. Yeah, it was three. Okay. Yep. So, were those like three equal parts, or how did that no. work? Uh, okay. So, part one, disc one is the longest. Mm-hmm. And then... This two is probably about seventy percent that in length, but disc three is actually just the only thing that you really do on disc three is it opens the final dungeon of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what's weird is like I, I really don't understand how PS one games work with the multiple discs because even though disc three opens the final part of the game, you can still go back and explore. The, the other parts mm. of the game. So it, it, it doesn't really make sense to me how that, that works out. Um, but yeah. It's so, so, so disc one then does it end after Midgar or no. Is, no. is there, okay. So there's, there's more there's in more it than just it. Midgar. Yeah. Probably okay. over I, half, probably over the half the games on this one. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to ask how many discs or how many, I guess, versions of this game we're going to get. Cause obviously this isn't the whole game. No, um, I, I'm going to guess four or five. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I can if, see it, that. Well, it depends on how, like, what they do with the story, because you could probably do it in three parts. True. Yeah. But there's still there's there's a lot of things, like I don't know. It, it depends on how they're going to do the story. I I would mm-hmm. guess four or five. Okay. And I have no problem with that, man. Honestly, if they're all thirty to forty hour games, I have zero problem with that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but and I, know, I think. I I mean, I think everyone was kind of freaking out when they originally announced it, but obviously this is far more than just a remake. Like, there's more yeah. dialogue, there's more, like, kind of nuanced things that weren't in the original game, and you're getting a lot more out of this. So, um, yeah. no, I think it's fine, too. Um, but I forget what I was going to say. There, there's more character development mm-hmm. in this hour-long demo than some of the characters got in the entire yep. game. So, yep. Especially with, like, Jesse, like, yeah, Jesse was the main one I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. If the demo came out. It's a big deal. Uh, I have four days off from work to play it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just really excited. I'm really, really excited. This is probably the first game I've truly looked forward to since, God, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know when. Because I wasn't really excited for Kingdom Hearts. Probably Spider-Man mm-hmm. I was excited for, but. How long is the demo? An hour. Just an hour. About an hour. An hour? And then, so should I play the original first before I play the new? I think you should play 
Yeah, I think I yeah, I don't I really understand. I, I don't would... really understand the purpose of playing the new one if you haven't played the original one because you're gonna miss all the context of why the remake is so important. Coach, I really think if you play the original Final Fantasy VII, you're just gonna get it. Like, yeah, Final Fantasy VII doesn't hold up well graphically, but it was really the first 3D RPG of all time. It was one of the first 3D games of all time, you know, of course, um, and. Like everything is just so campy. Uh, campy is not really a word that, that I would use to describe it, I guess. But like, there's of course like the giant, massive sword that Cloud has called the Buster Sword, and mm-hmm. Barrett's such a cool character who's the black guy with the machine gun arm. Um, and he, like every character has this this gr- it's this great cast of characters all coming together with this amazing villain Sephiroth, um, with a great story that deals with like. A lot of things from racism to mental illness to a, a, mm-hmm. a poverty gap, and there's all kind of good things. I, I, you should start that game immediately, Coach, because it's really one of the most legendary games of all time. Roger that. I'm constantly checking my email because apparently the validations for the first class edition have started. Yeah. So just, anytime uh, it should be like they should essentially be getting it set up to ship. I'm so I'd excited. buy the first class edition if I didn't already mm-hmm. have it. The, the figure. <laughs> All right, Elijah, tell us about PAX East 2020. So, like I said, this year I played a lot more games, and I just wanted to kind of briefly go over, like, the five best games I've played, and also to say, holy crap, I got to meet the Final Fantasy VII voice actors for Jesse, Biggs, Tifa, Barrett, and Aerith, and it was amazing. That's uh, awesome. John Eric Bentley, who does Barrett. He was apparently, as people were playing the demo, which I'm glad I didn't stand in line for since I just got to come home and play it. Um, as people were playing the demo, he'd just be walking through the demo area and go behind people, oh, to take out them a little easier, do this. And like just give people tips as they're playing. Um, That's but, super cool. Yeah, like they were all great. Like people, uh, Britt Barron, I think this is one of her first really like bigger things. And she, she, you could tell, was loving it. It was just such a great time. But, and is that the lady that plays Aerith? That is Tifa. Because I know the lady that plays Aerith really doesn't have any credentials. She was like a streamer or something. Yeah, she streams. She does like, a, essentially, I don't know if it's a podcast or what. She goes by, what is it, like Rebel Gamer or something like that? Yeah. She must have um, just like tried out for it or something and, and yeah. got it. But yeah, I just wanted to quick talk about like the five games I played that most interested me or most caught my attention. So the first one I want to talk about is called Gigabash. It is a four-player. If any of you have played Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee for GameCube, think of that. It is a four-player kaiju party fighting game. That sounds awesome. And that is like I I immediately got vibes of that. Um, I'm not sure. Some of these I don't know what console they're coming out on or anything because most of them were just put it on your Steam wish list. So I don't know any more credentials they didn't really say anything else but this game i i could see as a great party game i had a total blast we played it twice over the weekend we went back and it was so fun the next one i want to talk about is called overpass it is currently on steam it's made by one guy it is a rhythm adventure that essentially imagine you're in a car and you're just driving underneath overpasses and windmills and stuff but there's like an eye at the top of the screen and you'll see arrows or dots on different things. And once that dot or arrow hits up right in the center of the eye, you click a, so like mm-hmm. you have to like 
lean to the left or the right. And it's so simple, but it got super hard. And like, there's extra little things you can do in it. I had such a blast. The, the guy, you could tell he was having so much fun. He was just there hanging out with everyone, talking, laughing, have a good, having a good time. The next one is called Bladed Fury. This, think of a traditional Chinese like art style. And that's the art style of the game. It's set in, oh, what did it say? Like 2,500 years ago or something like that. Spring and autumn period uh, of ancient China. And it's a it's like just a classic action game, side-scrolling. But with the art style, it felt so unique. You had The moves were really neat. And I had such a fun time moving through this world and figuring out this princess's story. The next one is called Evergate. Think of an art style like Ori and the Blind Forest, or Ori and the Will of the Wisps, but this is much more of a puzzle game. And you, there were multiple different ways you could essentially win each level. My friend Nick was playing right next to me on another one, and we would constantly be looking at each other. And afterwards, we were like, how did you finish this part? And he would tell me, and I'd be like, oh, I did something completely different. It was just, it was such a neat thing. Uh, the whole idea, I guess, is you're dead and you're trying to get back to life. But it was an, a, such an adorable little art style. Mm. But the one that got me the most is kind of the most surprising one. Because there was just nobody playing the demo kiosk at the time. So I just walked up and gave it a shot. It's called Metamorphosis. And let me just quick read the synopsis. Wake up as Gregor turned into a tiny bug and use your newfound abilities and nimble legs to uncover the truth behind your mysterious transformation. It is a puzzle platformer where you play as a little cricket. But Interesting. Yeah. That's it, cool. it, it's one of those things like looking at you, I'd be like, oh, I get it, but whatever. But playing it, I don't know what snapped in me, but I, just, I had such a blast. And all day that day, I was like, man, I want to play more Metamorphosis. And it really got its hooks in me. What's the art style like? Um, much more like real life art style. Interesting. Yeah, it, like going through it, like the level you played was essentially you were in like a printing press area. Mm -hmm. Like if you, the neat thing is like if you were to fall, a piece of paper would come up and like you would land on the piece of paper and it would take you up and drop you off somewhere. Mm. I don't know if that's in the main game or if that was just for the demo or whatever, mm -hmm. but like you would have to climb up and jump on paper going through the printing press. And the first roller had like a like chunk out of it. So you would have to stand there at the right spot to go through that. And then the next one, if you jump off to the side at the right time, you can land on it and then crawl over that roller. And then the next one, there was a little dip underneath. So you would have to go under the roller and that got you to the next section. It was, it was so well done so neat and i just had such a blast i like i said i couldn't stop thinking about it even here today when i was trying to think all right what were the five games i said because i didn't have the paper in front of me and mm -hmm. the first one was metamorphosis i know that right off the bat <laughs> like that that's still it's still the whole time stuck with me i'm so excited to play that game more hmm. Interesting. it sounds pretty cool but those, check it out those are just five of the games i played and like i said i played 30 and i think there's only one or two games that had me saying I don't know if I would really play that otherwise. The rest of them were like, I want to play more of this. Like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed them. Like, there was another one. I'm not going to go into detail about it. But think of games like Contra or Metal Slug. But it had a component where if you don't kill your enemies all the way, you can eat them. And if it's like 
if you go on more of a fat-based diet in the game, you get bonus defense. Uh, more yeah. of like how like whatever you choose to eat, you get bonuses or like deductions or such. It was really neat. There were so many neat games this year that I'm so glad I took the time to really go through and play a lot of them. Awesome, awesome. We'll make sure you guys check out some of those games that Elijah tried here at PAX East. Um, yeah, all right, they sound pretty cool. Awesome. The PS2 is 20 years old. Tell us about it, buddy. Yep. Uh, so wrapping it up here, I thought this was a pretty pretty neat topic just to kind of talk about quickly. But yep, as of today, uh, March 4th, 2020, it has been 20 years since the PS2 launched in Japan. Um, so North America was October of 2000. So it's a little further away for, for our actual release. But for the original very first release of the PS2... It was today, 20 years ago. Um, And I saw that news today and I was like, has it really been 20 years since this thing released? Um, What'd you say? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's it's insane that it's been that long. So, but I just wanted to kind of talk about it and maybe some memories we had of it. I mean, um, one of the things I wrote down, because I know this always has to be brought up, but it is the best-selling system of all time, which is insane. Um, but yeah, everyone, everyone had a PS2. It, yep. it was in every home. Yep. 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 It was. And, um, I remember for me, at least I actually didn't get one until maybe 2005 ish. So I was like way late to PS2, but I still played a lot of it. And, um, I actually, I think I got the silver slim, which that, that system is still one of my favorite systems. That's a good-looking um, system. Yeah, and I, I really want to pick one up again because I just love the look of that thing. And, um, I mean, God, when they say PS2 Slim, it is literally slim. Like, when you when you look at that thing compared to the original, um, it's a It's, it's amazing a that difference. they created that. Like, it, it's really yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. It's probably, what, only maybe a quarter of an inch thick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. definitely, like, a, a quarter of what the original was, if that. Yeah. Like, maybe even, like, a fifth. So... Um, but no, I just wanted to kind of talk about it. Did you guys have any like best memories or favorite games or, um, like what'd you guys think of it at the time? I still remember the Christmas I got the PS2 and how Mm -hmm. excited I was. Um, but the weird thing with me, I played a lot of games on the PS2, but the weird thing with me is that I didn't play any of my favorite games on PS2. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was Mm -hmm. no game that came out on PS2 that I still play to this day. That was a PS1, that was PS3. Um, but like when I think about PS2 memories, I'm thinking about like uh, Dragon Ball Z Budokai series, um, the WWE game specifically. Here mm-hmm. comes the pain and SmackDown versus Raw. Those were really really awesome video games. Uh, Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter. Um, all these games came out and they were all really really awesome games. I mean, the PS2 had a lot of crap on it. Like don't yeah don't get me wrong. But there was also just banger after banger that you could find on PS2. You know, the Grand Theft Auto series that came out on PS2 really sold a ton of people on the system, too. Um, I remember just sitting there with my buddies and playing Grand Theft Auto for what seems like, looking back on it, months and months uh, mm-hmm. with all the cheats. And uh, specifically, like, San Andreas was, was the big one. Um, but it was the first console that really opened our eyes to the possibility of 3d and video games and 
when when you look back at the PS2's legacy, like it cannot be overstated how important that console is for video games because not only was it the first DVD player, but like it was the first real console that you could really truly do full 3D games in. I mean, you could do full 3D games in the PS1, but they they just did not look right. They were really old and polygonal, and the PS2 there's you can still go back and play it and be like, oh okay, this is this is pretty cool. Like um, the the Ratchet Clank games still look awesome on it. Um, I, I just went back and saw a video of one of the Gran Turismo games that came mm-hmm. out on PS2, and I'm like, oh my god, this they is look a great PS3 still. game. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is what the heck is going on with this? But you know, Need for Speed Underground was another one of my favorite games. I mean, there was just, there's just a lot of memories on PS2 for me. Like I said, none of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, but a lot of great games that I played a lot as a kid. I know. For me, and I know this is a series that I feel like is kind of forgotten. Um, maybe it's just because it's kind of died off, but um, I loved the uh, SOCOM games on PS2. I thought those were phenomenal. Um, yeah, and, they were really, and, really and kind good. of ahead of their time. I mean, they're online, kind of team based third person shooters, and the online worked so well on PS2. Um, and this was a system where, you know, we were, it was side-by-side side with the Xbox, and obviously the Xbox had a far better online infrastructure, um, but these games still released and, and really played well, and I'll, I'll never forget sitting there and just playing, um, I think it was SOCOM 2, um, just for hours and hours and hours online. So, um, My yeah. biggest memory also has to do with online, and it was the uh, one day I went to the store to buy a brand-new game that just came out, that no one I knew was getting. So I had to get the online adapter so I could play Monster Hunter with other people. Yeah. Because at the time, nobody I knew knew anything or cared anything about Monster Hunter. So I'm like, I want to play with other people. So there I am, fitting this giant brick on the back of my PS2. <laughs> what about you, Coach? I'm sure you have some pretty good memories of PS2. Okay, so um, it's funny because... When the PS1 came out and the Nintendo 64 came out, I uh, I was I got the 64 late in its life cycle, but I got the PlayStation the the PlayStation early earlier in the life cycle, and then the next generation um, I got the GameCube early, I got the Xbox a little bit after that, but I got the PS2 later into the life cycle. And funny story is. We went out training. This is when I first got to Fort Bliss in like probably 2004 or five. And um, so I had a big box that I had all my crap in. And I had my, um, remember the, the PS1 that had the uh, the screen with it? Oh yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was like, I love that thing because that was like portable, right? And so I took that with me everywhere. And so I took it out to the field and because we had our kitchen, our mobile kitchen, which had electricity. So while everyone was asleep between breakfast and dinner, I was, you know, playing, um, you know, I was playing something. Right. So then. uh, But that morning it was I woke up and I put it in the box and I put it next to our vehicle. Well, our main sergeant backed into it and it broke. And I'm like, bro. So he he was pissed, 
But the next day, like that next Monday when we came back in, he bought me the, it was the slim, but it was the, remember it had like the, the platinum or the silver, the silver one? Yeah, that's the one I had, yeah. Yeah, so, and he got that to me, but um, soon after that, like my uh, son, when he was living in San Diego, his house got broken into, so all of his like PSP and stuff got stolen, so I sent that out to him, but that was like my first, uh, and then a few years later, I bought another one. But that's that's like my one big memory on on PS2. But I still love that PS1 the with the flip, uh, the the little LCD screen. Yeah, that was huge back then. Yeah, they they made a lot of those things in that time span. Like I I know the GameCube had a similar adapter. Um, that was pretty big. I don't think it got as big as the, the PS1. Um, no, but SD, that PS1 but... was actually made by Sony. So that was a first yeah, party. Yeah. And so they just like, it was, it just fit with the PS1, you mm -hmm. know? So good times. I love that, that, that era of gaming, like the, yep. those two generations and then publishers destroyed what we now <laughs> have is <laughs> anyways. For another topic, there's a lot of a lot of really great games on PS. Oh hell yeah! Um, and honestly, I would say even today, it's worth if you haven't going back to that library mm -hmm. and um, and just checking it out, getting grabbing some games and checking well, it out. Well, the thing is though, is the reason why I mean, like what you say is totally true because you could buy first party brand component cables for dirt cheap, yep. you know. They're not well, that expensive. It's just like a renaissance period in video games um, when the people were trying to do different things and not everything was working. Like I said, there's 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 a lot of dumpy games on PS2, but a lot of it is like really innovative and the first of its of its kind. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of really good stuff to play on PS2. Um, and the jump, yeah. from the graphics from the that the the previous generation was yeah, I think it was the biggest of of all of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, but all right, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. We're running it a little long. I don't want to make Austin angry. God knows what happens yeah. when he gets angry. Um, you won't like me when I'm hungry. So we are planning our 500th episode, which will be in I don't know how many years, but yeah, <laughs> we are we are currently making plans for episode 500. That's right. Yeah. Um, so get well, ready. I hope you guys uh, enjoy the show. Remember to follow us at. Frame Skip Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can hit us up at uh, facebook.com slash frameskippod and write us some emails at frameskippodcast at gmail.com. Remember, guys, if you want to hear us talk about something specific, the best way to do it is to write in because we will answer your questions on the show. Um, remember to follow us and give us a rating on uh, whatever podcast app of your choice. And uh, our episodes go live every Friday on March 6th. You can follow me at Seth S. Taylor on Twitter. Um, I actually don't know your guys' Twitter handles anymore. <laughs> you I should have know, it memorized. I, I, well, I, I know you're 32 per professor. Uh, Austin, what's yours these days? Austin J. Eller. E -L -L -E -R. What? Yeah. Where's Mario Kart Wii Oh, that's long gone. By the way, I don't know. I think I told you guys, but I changed my PSN name. So that Mario Kart Wii 140 is gone. The end of an era. It's, it's erased. <laughs> And uh, Elijah, you're still local lizard man on Twitter. I I am. Okay, you follow Elijah at local lizard man. Until next time, guys. Um, until next Friday.
This has been the Frame Skip Podcast. Get you some.